I feel like Wonder Woman would be a more effective superhero if she wasn't wearing heels. up everybody welcome to the two woke nerds podcast thank you so much for tuning in again this week if you like what we do please leave us a rating or a review on apple Podcasts. it helps get the show out there share this with your friends wherever you found it whether it was apple podcast google podcast stitcher TuneIn, spotify all of the major places where you can find fine podcast content you could find raymond and i you can also connect with us on social media two woke nerds on twitter shoot us an email two woke nerds at gmail.com well, my name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who still won't give me credit for not just having a weird Carl Urban thing. Raymond Summerlin. Ray, how are you? It is possible to be true, both true, that you have a weird Carl Urban thing and the boys is good and you are correct to tell me it was good. I can be correct in assuming you have a weird Carl Urban thing. That's why you think it's good. And also, you be correct that it is actually it was it was actually really good. Hey, you know, I'm not a I'm not a therapist. You know this about me. I, I do not have a degree in therapy or whatever that's called, psychologist, something like that. But maybe Homelander has mommy issues. Perhaps I think it's safe to say. Yeah, I, I I'm willing to bet that the. Um there's some there's some milk that doesn't necessarily look like it came from a cow or an almond that he's sampling, and I'm just gonna just gonna throw out there that that's probably um probably giving sight to some weird stuff. So we got a, a new trailer for a show that Raymond and I both loved, uh, season two of The Boys. We got a first look at it. We're still quite a distance from actually seeing the show, but uh, it definitely was a a look at what the new season's gonna be. Very, very violent, very, very gory. Um, didn't catch much of the sense of humor that was in the first season, but I'm sure it's there. My only concern with this trailer, Ray, is that the the gore was not what made the first season of The Boys good. Like, the gore was there to serve a plot purpose or to serve a joke, right? And so I hope they don't lean too far into, like, let's just make this thing gory and outrageous and let it kind of sacrifice the story that they wanted to tell. There's also, by the way, a teaser kind of, like, three-minute thing about young Homelander, which is out there as well, which is which is certainly worth watching. But, yeah, I mean, we, we've we've talked about how much we love that show i'm so obviously season two yeah we're in bring it to us nothing really to talk about other than it's there if you're into it uh then go check it out so we're gonna talk uh we didn't get to talk about the wonder woman trailer uh between the last time that we've talked to you another trailer came out for uh, ghostbusters afterlife and we got the conclusion of Watchmen. So we're going to talk Wonder Woman, Ghostbusters. We'll do our Watchmen check-in and then we'll close the show out with some Don't Sleep on it. So let's go ahead and start with the big one, Ray. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984. We got a new trailer, full-length trailer. Got our first look at uh, Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord. We got our first look at uh, at Kristen Wiig as uh, the pre-Cheetah, probably, for most of this film. And then we got our second look at Chris... Which one is this? Chris something. One of the Chris's. Handsome... He's a handsome Chris. Hand, 
Handsome blonde Chris. This one's Pine, I believe. Chris Pine? Yes. Okay. Scented, so Chris Pine. Scented like a Vermont fall, Chris Pine. <laughs> uh, we got Chris Pine returning somehow as a not-so-dead Steve Trevor. So, Ray, we got a lot to see, but we don't really know what's going on much with Wonder Woman 1984. Every time I go to call him Steve, I think that I'm wrong in that I'm like, oh, Chris Evans is Steve Rogers, so why am I calling him Steve? But he's actually Steve. Not only are both of their first names Chris in real life, their characters' names in their respective universes are Steve. That's legitimately the panic I had as I was trying to say his name. It's it's truthfully, it, it's incredible. It's rude, really. Yeah. His At least his name in Star Trek is James Tiberius. Yeah, so like, there's lots of questions in here. There's not really many answers. It's just kind of setting up and showing you who... Everybody is. In fact, if you don't know anything about maybe the the history, you would you'd be a confused why Kristen Wiig is in this movie, and then b you wouldn't know anything about her character or Pedro Pascal's character. There really wasn't wasn't anything there. The big question is why Steve? Okay, and it seems like there will be a lot of fun jokes at that. You know, Steve teaching teaching uh, Wonder Woman the the ways of the world back in his time and her kind of repaying the favor this time. That's kind of a fun little, little parallel, but yeah, there's not, there's not really much here. I will say at the very end, when she gets in that gold outfit with the wings, that's awesome. I, I'm about that. That is some, that is some Zack Snyder looking kind of scenery that I'm perfectly okay with seeing in the DC universe. I'm, I'm happy with that one. Yeah. The, the DC movies have never, well, I can't say never. There have been some DC movies that looked really good, and, and Wonder Woman, the original, was one of them, and now I think 1984 is going to really embrace kind of the big, bold 1980s thing, uh, which I'm which I'm down for. And I, I just, I think that DC's finally learned its lesson where they're just going to make good movies and not worry about tying them all together, which is why the original Wonder Woman worked, right? That's why that movie was successful, because they just told a good story. It's why Joker was successful. And so... It, it's not, I hope it doesn't tie in. I don't think it'll tie in, uh, but I really definitely, I, I'm excited to see where this goes again, where there's not a ton of answers and it's, it's, I'm glad that we're going to go into this movie with a lot, a lot, a lot of questions to answer. Yeah, I'm glad to, I also like leading into the 1984 stuff. Obviously that's been part of the 1980s has been kind of part of the, the lexicon lately. I don't think it's played out yet. Although the mall certainly did remind us of Stranger Things, which is interesting considering that we're now moving to talk about the Ghostbusters, which features one of the Stranger Things kids and certainly could have could have some stuff like that. So, yeah, no, I don't think it's played out yet, but we'll see how, what we feel like when May rolls around, by the time May rolls around. Yeah, the 80s are definitely uh, definitely at the cultural forefront. So speaking of the 80s being at the cultural forefront, we got a trailer for the sequel to one of, I will just argue, the best movies ever made, uh, Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. Not quite as good as Ghostbusters, but still, I absolutely love it. Not uh, quite as good. What an understatement. 
Caddyshack 2 was also not quite as good as Caddyshack. Okay, first of all, Ghostbusters 2 and Caddyshack 2, there's a definite difference in quality between those two films. You shut your mouth, right? But anywho, so we've got a new installment in the Ghostbusters universe uh, starring Paul Rudd, Finn Wolfhard, uh, some other people that I've never seen before, child actors galore. Uh, Again, it looks like that they're... They're going to stumble upon the Ghostbusters technology, and that will, again, let out some sort of uh, of ghosts into the world. And that, that really is all we got from the trailer. Uh, it's going to be led by most of the, the younger actors. Paul Rudd is going to be kind of their, uh, their contact, their adult. So I'm really excited to see that. But I think the, the big news out of this, we didn't get, really get to see it. I don't think we will get to see before the movie comes out, the original cast that's in this film. But... Did it capture your imagination? Did it did it capture your magic? And, and is this something that that you want to see and want to take time out to to enjoy? No, uh, not even a little bit. I like I was watching. I was like, all right, it's another one of these movies. Uh, you do. It does seem like you hear Bill Murray's voice in the trailer, which you know that'll that'll be fun. I'm a little Finn Wolfhearted out. Uh, if I do say so, I don't really like, I'm kind of over this whole thing. So, so I don't know about that. I do find it funny that they picked the youngest looking old person possible to, to be kind of their confidant in Paul Rudd. If Paul Rudd just shaves that beard, he looks to be the same age as Finn Wolfhard. So that's, uh, so that's fun. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, there's nothing, I don't know. There's nothing interesting about it. There's nothing like really like telling about it you're not going to find out anything about the human condition from ghostbusters it'll be uh it'll be you know it'll be fine it'll be okay and hopefully we'll get some it won't be very serious and we'll get some you know laughs out of it and that'll be good yeah i i think the the trailer played it more serious than the movie's actually going to be like i don't think you have paul rudd in a movie without a sense of humor so i i i'm not as like worried about it being too serious as six different people on the internet said, and then some clickbait articles latched onto that. So I, I'm total. I'm fine with the mood. I'm fine with the tone. Um, the fact that the originals are in for it, like Bill Murray was not going to come back to this if it wasn't something that was at least worth his time, right? Like that's not a thing. Like that's what gives me a lot of hope because Bill Murray, well, one, he's kind of a jerk and didn't want to do this with uh, with Harold Ramis, but that's neither here nor there. But now that Bill Murray's back on, and now that um, you know, Dan Aykroyd is back. I, I, I think there's a lot uh, left on the table to be said, and I'm excited to see where they go. So can I just say that Carrie Coon is an amazing actor? And I don't know why she's been doing the things she's been doing lately. Like, she has, like, three lines in a Marvel movie, and then, like, where she just has, like, a deep voice-off with Scarlett Johansson for, like, two minutes, and now she's in random Ghostbusters. Like, I don't, I don't know what... Carrie, you're amazing, Carrie. Like, like why is like why wasn't she the Scarlett Johansson character in Marriage Story? Like, like that's those are the questions that I need to ask. Also, just as I always mention, leftover season two and season three. Perfect. Watch them. She's in them. She's amazing. Continue. Raymond, I could probably tell you why she she's doing the things she's doing. Uh, and it has dollar signs attached to it. Yeah, good for her. Get that paper. I'm just saying. 
I need to what, I need to see you in other stuff. What what was the what was the joke in uh in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back? You do the you do the the big budget picture, then you do the Oscar picture. I feel like she's she's working toward uh, her her Oscar picture cycle. So we've got again we've got a while for uh, Ghostbusters. It's still in post production. It's going to land uh, in 2020, and we're ex- I I'm excited. Ray might not be excited, but I am definitely going to uh, take some time out. To check out Ghostbusters in July. Now, right, it's time for our what will likely be the final Watchmen update. Yeah. So we got the last two episodes of Watchmen. A god walks into a bar or a bar, however you want to so style good. it. So, so uh, this show is so so good. And then we got. Our uh, our season finale, potentially our series finale, which is uh, look how they fly. I believe is what it was. I, I always see say it how wrong. they fly. Yeah, see how they fly. See, I knew I was going to do it wrong. See how they fly was the series finale. So uh, we we've got to kind of talk about both because a god walks into a bar um, is just an incredible, incredible episode of television. Is probably I would say the best episode of Watchmen to date. No, right? Like no, 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 no. It was the second best episode of Watchmen to date because you are forgetting apparently episode six exists. So I loved episode six. I loved episode six. I am in awe of how they did the nonlinear storytelling in a God walks into a God walks into a bar and did it well. Yeah, it, it didn't hit like so. I maybe because, we're going to disagree and we could jump in. Well, so. well, maybe maybe it's because like for me, I like I knew what was coming at the end. And so that kind of that kind of puts it that kind of put it into a different like I knew what we were waiting on and it was still it was outstanding like don't get me wrong it was fantastic and the way that they were able to do it was great but nonlinear storytelling's not actually that difficult because guess what you get to film them all at different times and then edit them together like it's not really like I don't that doesn't that doesn't impress that doesn't impress me much as Shania Twain once said and so I am. I am like I like I'm fine with it. It was cool. I enjoyed it. I I like I I think there is a little bit of and we can talk about this. There's a little bit of spoilers for oh, episode yes. 8 and possibly 9 of Watchmen just if you haven't seen them. Yeah. I'll send but, you Ray's login. But there's a yeah, thank you. But there's a there's a little bit of of like um we we just need to talk about Dr. Manhattan. So yeah. like the idea that he and I and so I understand he's not omniscient. I understand that he experiences time all at the same point, which is why he experiences time differently, as he says over and over and again, which is why he can know what's going to happen in the future. However, the idea that this character, even though John Osterman is just the most hands-off, laid-back guy. The fact that he he does what he does at the end of the Watchmen comics and then disappears and then comes back some years later and is completely the same and is completely resigned to his fate and doesn't do anything to try to stop it like it's it's a tough it's a tough thing to hang on and i like i know what the and i know what the explanation is i understand what the explanation is but it just doesn't feel right whereas episode episode six this extraordinary being was everything was perfect every single bit of it was perfect there was no you couldn't see the seams do you know what i'm saying i could see the seam. we needed dr manhattan to get to a point 
we got to that point. We had an explanation of why we got to that point. Even if I don't like it a lot, we had the explanation. I'm okay with it. But you could see the seams. That is not true in this extraordinary being. And that's why I, that episode is just mind-bogglingly good to me. Don't don't hear me saying that. Because this, I, again, came on this podcast and said this extraordinary being may have been one of the best hours of television I'd ever seen. If you can go back and check the tapes, right? But I I didn't have the problems with, with the Dr. Manhattan plot as as some people did and if you haven't had a chance if you've been watching this show and didn't and haven't listened to the official Watchmen podcast that's done with Damon Lindelof the kind of the chief writer and showrunner um do that cuz he he gives a lot of insight into into what they did and for me it it worked for me because just because Dr. Manhattan is experiencing or, or has experienced all those things at the same time because he's he's an he's an exercise in fatalism, right? If you know what is going to happen, can you change it, right? If it's already happened in your mind, can you actually change it? And that it's it's an exi- it's a really interesting conversation about fatalistic thought processes, right? If you feel like you already know the outcome, then you're not going to take action to change it, and that's what Doctor Manhattan does. But Angela already knew the outcome too, and she works to try to change it, which is why he says he fell in love with her. She already knew too, but she made the decision. And if that's the reason he fell in love with her, then that means that's something that he aspires to. And he doesn't have to aspire to it because he's a god, because he's Dr. Manhattan. If he wanted to change it, he could. And so, like, and I get it, and I get what I get the point it's making. Like, let me be very clear I get the point it's making. I understand the argument for why Dr. Manhattan, I understand the character of John Osterman has been created and why, why, and even in the original comics, he behaved in the way that he did. But I just, there's something that hits wrong with it. And to, to have, to have that be the crux at which the story has to turn to get to the end game, which the end game, you know, we can talk about in a second to have that be the crux is a little bit of a black mark for me. Again, nothing that this show is amazing. Like this show is amazing, but that in particular is the one thing that made me go, Ugh, that's just a little bit of a little bit of a miss to me. And I think it's, it's funny that you that, cause that takes us to actually the end of the next episode, the end of, of episode nine, uh, see how they fly. And, and we'll just, we'll just talk about it there. It, it's the line that, that Lou Gossett ends the series on, which is he could have done more. Exactly. Right. And that's, and that's the conversation. It's, it's the, it's the, it's the religion conversation. It's, it's the, again, fatalism conversation. There are two sides of that coin. Do you have to carry out these things because they've already happened? Do you feel like they've already happened? Or do you have the power to change fate? Like that's, that's Watchmen in and of itself. Like those are the two sides of the coin and Watchmen presents neither of them as correct, both in the show and in, in the comic as, as the source material. Uh, So if you know the outcome, I mean, that's, that's the microcosm that we saw with, with, um, with Ozymandias on the uh, on Europa right he he wrote the script and yeah. to him it was just playing the part and getting a means to an end for that clone Phillips that was his life that's what he had to do when he took the so there's again it's kind of like what they did with Black Freighter and the original Watchmen comics so it's really interesting but so we got the the ending uh, of episode can I say season. one thing about Ozzy Manius? absolutely how high next level this show is what was that episode two 
where he says, oh, I've got a new strip, a new script for us. And you think that it's ultimately what you end up seeing with Dr. Manhattan. And then it's like, and then it's revealed and unbelievable in this one that, that this is the script that he's been writing for how the game warden, who the game warden was and all that stuff. It's just, it's just perfect. It's great. Absolutely. And so uh, the end, the, the, the end game on top of the end game on top of the end game uh, where the, the seventh cavalry slash Cyclops gets Dr. Manhattan to the cage that they were building. We found out why the lithium batteries were a thing. They created a cage for him. Uh, our chief uh, Senator Keen, our chief racist, our grand dragon, whatever you want to call him, uh, the eye of Cyclops, whatever. Um, he decides that he wants to take Dr. Manhattan's powers. And then Lady True steals it, steals him, steals Dr. Manhattan, the whole setup, and she decides to take the powers, whatever. So the the thing I loved about this, and, and I'm glad they did it, is that kind of all of the resolution of those plot points happened pretty early, and most of the meat of that episode was the, the resolution from those things, right? That neither of them got Dr. Manhattan's powers. And, and so that was like the resolution and, and the whole... And this is where, and and I'm going to have a conversation, Ray, feel free to just say, like, I don't feel comfortable commenting on that. But this whole season has been about the wounds that this country carries, right? This whole season about the wounds that this country carries and specifically as it pertains to race relations in the United States. And that the line at the end where Aunt, where Lou Gossett, Will Reeves, Hooded Justice, all of those names, uh, says to his granddaughter, uh, what he learned is that you can't hide from your pain. Wounds need time to heal or air to heal. And that's that's the crux of the entire narrative is that it goes back to what Lori said earlier in the season that people put on masks because of trauma and they're hiding from their trauma. Um and then when he talked, when, when, again, Will Reeves talks about, has a beautiful monologue about, uh, it wasn't anger, it was fear, and it was, uh, it was confusion, right? It wasn't anger that he was feeling. But uh, fear and confusion often manifest themselves as anger, and that's, that's the chief issue, and that's why we need to put these things out in the open. That's why these conversations are important, because we have to have these conversations, or healing cannot happen. Yeah, no, it's perfect. It's the, it answers the question: Why do you have to talk about this? This is the, that's why. Because you have to. Because you have to talk about it. Like that's that's how therapy works. <laughs> you have to uh, you have to talk about it. No, I thought that that was I thought that was great. So the seventh cavalry getting getting used and then destroyed immediately. So these stupid racist idiots getting completely used by a billionaire. And then thrown to the wayside is just perfect. It really like it's so on. It's not even like I want to call it on the nose, but that has a negative connotation. But it's like it's just amazing. It's pitch perfect. Carl Rove, and let's go back farther than this. Richard Nixon, with his Southern strategy, knew they knew exactly what they were doing. People, wake up to what's been happening they blow their whistles for you and you sit and you listen and you go well i like that a lot and then you go through and you vote against your best wishes stop doing it just stop doing it it's not that hard stop listening to the whistle wake up don't listen to the whistle it's move anyway so it's so yeah so that part i very much enjoyed um 
I oh, I want to talk about True. So we come out and, you know, Dr. Manhattan decides, I suppose, that Lady True can't have his powers either. Like that's that is basically the only thing he did. The only thing he did was decide that okay, this isn't going to go to anybody. And then he sends Adrian and, and Lori and uh, Mirgai back to the back to back to there, and they, they're going to enact their plan. So what's interesting about that is that so Adrian decides, and he makes up this thing: nobody who wants power that much should should be the one who gets it right. And they all decide that Lady True can't have it. But nothing that Lady True's done to this point, because she's already had that power. Like, Adrian also had that power, by the way, because he was the smartest man in the world and super rich, and we saw what he did with it. She's already had that power, too, and hasn't done any of the terrible things that Adrian did. And we're so sure that it wouldn't be fine if she became Dr. Manhattan. We're so sure that her becoming Dr. Manhattan wouldn't end up ultimately being a good thing especially given her history and the trauma like i think that purposefully by the way i don't think this is a plot hole i think purposefully we were supposed to think well maybe she should have become the next dr manhattan because when will reeves says he could have done more she would have done more and so would that have been good i don't know i think it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of Interesting question there. I will say you talk about her trauma and, you know, John Osterman is a Nazi survivor whose mom ran off with an SS agent. So, like, there's comparative trauma there. And again, you can't really compare people's trauma. But when you're trying to compare narrative threads, like if there's one person that's really qualified to say nobody should have the power of a god, it's probably the actual literal god that exists. Yeah, maybe, perhaps. Um, But, I mean, it all just felt like... And I guess I guess Dr. Manhattan's using this. It all just felt like narcissism from Adrian saying, if I'm not gonna be the one who does it, no one's going to do it. And so not even Shocked my daughter. Adrian is narcissistic. Oh no. The wrench, oh, it's perfect. Just no, you're not gonna monologue at me one more time, Jeremy Irons. Mere guy's taking care of it. He he when he talks about uh Lady True's literal hubris, and then his literal hubris gets him arrested. Uh, it's just, it's just perfect. Um, but and I think maybe part of Doctor Manhattan's grand scheme is knowing that even he shouldn't have the powers, and maybe that's part of it. Is him saying like nobody should have these powers, including me, and I need to leave in order for things to settle down. Because if we can't save these people, ha- this is literally like. Watchman's argument for uh, nuclear disarmament, right? Like, if we cannot trust ourselves with this power, then that power should not exist. And maybe that is Dr. Manhattan's endgame. Yeah, maybe, except that Dr. Manhattan definitely still exists. Because the ending doesn't make sense unless Dr. Manhattan still exists. Which ending? Are you talking about the egg on the pool, or what are you talking about? So first of all, very famously, Dr. Manhattan says, the first trick I learned was how to put myself back together. So... Let's keep that in mind. And the second thing is he can't say, he can't say the egg thing and then tell her him walking on water is going to be important unless he experienced those things. And the only way that he can experience those things is if he still exists after the fact, which means that either A, Damon Lindelof has a big plot hole, which I'm going to go ahead and assume is not the case, or B, Dr. Manhattan still exists. Like there's no there's no other option there. He still exists, but 
in in the sense of this narrative, in the sense of me making the point I wanted to make, maybe that's it. I don't know. Whatever. But if you haven't seen it, one, we spoiled everything for it, so you shouldn't have listened to this. But if you haven't seen it, uh, go ahead and watch it because it was it is one of the best like singular TV experiences I think I've had since the first season of Heroes. Like I feel like there's 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 no fair comparison to this, and I think season one of Heroes is the closest I can get. Yeah, but I mean, it's so much more important than season one of Heroes. Oh, for sure. No, I'm just saying of like the the feeling I got when that like I just kind of sat there and processed. Like after after this was over, I was like, what? Like what did I just see? Like, First, what, you really what, need to watch. What did I experience? You really need to watch The Leftovers. Like, you really need to watch it. Right. We talked about this pre-show. I, it is going to fill my Watchmen-sized hole. I'm just telling you. Because that's that's the answer. I guess maybe season four of The Wire? Yeah, that's a good one. That was one. Yeah. That was a good one. But yeah, no, this is... It was perfect. So, I we have to talk about the end. So, Lindelof said that he doesn't think that it's ambiguous, the ending. He wanted the ending to be cinematic, and that's why they cut away. Which, as soon as the foot went over the thing and I saw the shot, I go, oh, they're cutting away. Uh, this is the Inception ending for sure. But the but he said he didn't think it was ambiguous, uh, the, um, ambiguous the end, what, if, whether or not she had the power. So that means she does, because the unambiguous reading of it is that she has the power. So that's an interesting kind of thing. So if Dr. Manhattan still exists in this world, which I kind of think that he does then that means that he has now a a wife or i don't know if her and cal were ever officially married but has a has a life partner who who also has the same powers that'd be fun that'd be interesting it's funny that you mentioned the inception ending cuz that's specifically what he cited when he talks about this ending uh he tells a really funny story again listen to the the official watchman podcast he talks about he went to a movie theater and saw inception and he went to the the restroom after the movie like we all do cuz again you sit for two and a half hours you got to you got to relieve yourself and so he walked in on two people arguing about the ending and it was like one guy was like that was perfect and his friend was like no that sucked and he was like i agree with the guy that said it was perfect right cuz there are there are basically three choices that you make with that scene right choice a is you linger on it and she fl- she walks on water Choice B is you linger on it and she falls in the pool. And choice C is you cut to black as her foot hits the water. And of the three narrative choices, which one is the most interesting? Yeah, C. And so, yeah, it's it's not ambiguous that the egg transferred the powers to her. Like that's not and and maybe it's and maybe it's not his powers, but he kind of did he say his his essence or what what did he say? He said like, like his did, nuclear material or something like that. I forget what he said. Yeah, so there's there's a lot to be said. Uh, we don't we don't know if we're gonna get another season of this, and and if what Damon Lindelof's feelings were ten ten days after the after I mean probably about a week or two ago when they recorded that podcast, um, we may not get another season. And to be honest with you, I'm completely okay with it. If there is a second season, the beginning of the second season has to be her putting her foot down, not being able to walk on water, but assuming she was going to be able to falling in and giving another Regina King MFR because that is that WTF. is that is my headcanon idea of what happened there because absolutely because that is that would be amazing and then and then Will Reeves is just sitting up 
in the uh, in in the window watching her. Lou Gossick Jr. just eating an egg, going ha and just laughing at her. That'd be perfect. God, that'd be I perfect. would love it. That's that's the after Watchmen. Yeah, uh, that's my head canon so, of what happened. That that's exactly what happens because nobody delivers a WTF like like Regina King. So. Again, if you want more Regina King, watch The Leftovers, watch The Boondocks. Uh, there's there's a lot of great stuff from her. And on that note, that brings us to your favorite segment, my favorite segment, your grandmother's favorite segment. Don't sleep on it. Ray, what can the good folks not sleep on this week? Well, I watched the worst movie that I enjoyed in a long time, and that is Six Underground on Netflix. That movie is terrible. It is Michael Bay at his best slash worst and it is it's just amazing nothing really makes sense there's no there's there's a plot but the plot doesn't really have anything people fall in love over 30 second intervals for no reason whatsoever the uh the there's just gratuitous car chases that have no bit like that just go for no reason the first 10 minutes are absurd just absurd there's um there's just violence upon violence there's video games kind of ideas where characters like characters just keep showing up apparently bad guys are able to employ millions upon millions of individual characters and so that keeps happening at one point there's a parkour guy who doesn't really have anything to do i'm not sure what parkour guys on the team but parkour guys running away and there's just this yoked up dude lobbing grenades at him, which is hilarious. It's like a real life Donkey Kong going on. And it's it's amazing. Like it's just it's a terrible, terrible movie. But I love it. And it's on Netflix. It's free. You should just spend two hours of your life watching this horrible, great movie. So before Green Lantern came out, I had this this theory or this kind of working model that Ryan Reynolds doesn't make all good movies, but he definitely makes movies that I had a good time with. Uh, and Green Lantern is, is the, the fly in the ointment on that theory. And I feel like uh, this movie, Six Underground, fits uh, fits that model to a T. Because there's like some weird Ryan Reynolds movies he did in like the, the mid-2000s. Like there's a um, The Nines, if you haven't seen that. Yeah. It's a weird movie. It's not great, but I had a really, really good time with it. Uh, definitely, maybe best rom-com uh probably this side of of when harry met sally i'm just gonna go and say it right it's it's up there it's one of my favorites uh there's a weird movie called chaos theory with him and it's it's not a great movie but it's i enjoyed it and he has a um he has like uh, flashcards that he makes decisions on because he feels like life is just a series of random events. So why not make it random with flashcards? It's a really, really interesting movie. But anyway, so uh, I'm, I'm going to have to check it out. I've got a flight to Houston tomorrow. So I may just like download that and watch it on the flight. Smoking aces. You miss smoking aces. Smoking aces. How did I forget smoking aces? And also we need to talk about how you continue. You continue to besmirch the good name of love actually. And I don't know why. I don't know why you can't love that movie. It's Christmas time, and Christmas time means you say how you feel. And how I feel right now, Gerald, this is all a reference to the movie. I know you don't know this. And how I feel right now is that Love Actually is amazing, and it's ridiculous that you don't like that movie. You and I have had this conversation offline. We'll go ahead and have it on the podcast. I cannot get past the fact that Andrew Lincoln doesn't get his brain beat in. So, like, so no, that- nobody is arguing that Rick... Grimes should not have, like, 
Chiwi Alfediofor, whatever his name is, should have walked out there, should have walked out there and just beat him to a pulp. Everybody, Hit him with a brick. Nobody disagrees with you. There's not a soul that disagrees with you. By the way, Kira Knightley running after him and giving him a kiss, why are you encouraging this behavior, Kira Knightley? Like, sh- like, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. So, like, and then he walks away like, yay, I got a kiss. Bro, I know that the movie's over for us. You got to, like, the next day you got to see your friend. So, like, what's going to be this situation? that We need, like, a love actually, like, after after thing like how did that situation play out every time i see to me your perfect memes and people using that as a romantic scene it just drives the nail into the coffin deeper i'm like that's not a romantic scene that's a best friend betraying his best friend and he deserves to get his brains beaten with a brick but to be like, fair that's so violent but to be fair to be fair the same people that share that think hallelujah is like a christmas time song so. not a christmas song <laughs> so. that's my other rant <laughs> Just because the Pentatonics did a cover does not mean it's a Christmas song. I knew I could get you. I knew I could get you riled up with that one. <laughs> but on balance, Love Actually is great. Absolutely great. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> All right. So my don't sleep on it is I've had an opportunity to uh, to get some gaming, and I don't get to uh, normally spend a ton of time gaming because I work like two and a half jobs and have a kid and a family and all that good stuff. So uh, I, I got some time and I picked up uh, Jedi Fallen Order and I have been having a really, really good time. I don't normally like the Dark Souls kind of Metroidvania kind of games. It's not normally my thing, uh, but I'm really having a good time. And I think it's because the combat is so fun. I think the I, it's weird that you can't dismember Stormtroopers, but... It, the combat feels fun. The combo system feels fun. Uh, the exploration doesn't necessarily feel super repetitive-y. And the way that they like explain why you have to power up is interesting. And I'm just a Star Wars nerd on, on the surface. But I'm having a really, really good time with that game. I'm having a blast with it. Uh, and it's fun. And I just got to customize my lightsaber, upgraded to double-bladed. So I'm feeling like a monster. I actually am going to have a little more time to game... In, in the next couple weeks. And so I downloaded off Game Pass. The Outer Worlds is on Game Pass right now, just FYI. And everything I've read about it's great. I'll let y'all know in a couple weeks because I, I'm, I'm definitely going to play it over the break. So I am, uh, I'm looking forward to diving into that game. Yeah, I've 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 played a couple hours of it, and it is it is pretty solid. It feels like uh, old school Bethesda and old school Bioware all at the same time. So I'm definitely down with it. That's all we've got for you this week. We'll honestly probably be back. We'll have a short break. We'll probably be back next week with a little bit of Star Wars. This this Thursday, it's Star happening. Wars. It's happening. It's dropping. The Skywalker saga allegedly is ending. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, so we'll be back next week probably to talk uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker and uh, we'll be back with you, Ray. Before that, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter, at RM Summerlin. I'm currently angering Packers fans, so if you want to get involved in that, uh, go, go ahead and do so. Ray, shocking that you're trolling people on <laughs> Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. I basically just tweet uh, about sports, and I, I'm currently uh, ranting about how people that think that college athletes owe them something are probably pretty simple uh you can follow me on twitter the again worst, at gh goodridge 
the worst people in the world. Follow you know the show on Twitter. Sh- you know what college athletes should do? What's ever best for them? Thank you. You know, uh, thank you for coming paid. to my TED talk. Yeah, get paid. <laughs> right, get paid. That's the tweet. Get paid. You can also connect with us on Twitter. Two woke nerds. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, stay woke.